Thanks to Slack for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. It's Tuesday, May 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We are just chugging along through the month of May. We got Memorial Day just around the corner, but we're still, you know, we're still getting it done with earnings. Wow, you're looking forward to Memorial Day. It's it's only Tuesday. It's like two weeks away. Who doesn't like Memorial Day weekend? <laughs> I mean, come on, it's one more excuse to grill. <laughs> um, we're going to dip into what's happening in the automotive industry, which is not great, and. Uh, Online publishing, but we got to start with Home Depot, which is the number one home improvement chain in America, and they proved why once again with their first quarter report. Their profits were higher than expected. Their same store sales were up five and a half percent. Their average ticket order was up. Is there like, are they bulletproof right now? Is there anything that this company is doing? If you're a bear, if God forbid you're one of those poor souls out there who says, "Yeah, I think I'm going to short Home Depot." Do you have anything you can point to? Because this is one of those quarters that makes you understand why the stock is hitting an all-time high today. Yeah, I don't know what you've got if you're not if you're a bear and you want to find fault here. The valuation isn't that high, and housing has a lot of room to go probably, unless you've got specific numbers that you're relying on that nobody else is seeing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you go with here. The the company is doing a very good job of simply growing what it has. It's not really growing stores at all. It's got about the same number of stores, uh, depots, I suppose, rather than stores, uh, open that it had five, six years ago. So, it's, it's guidance for sort of comps and for total sales growth are, are the same. Uh, right now, around the five percent area, and then it's buying back some shares, and it's improving margins, and that's all you know. Wound up with a sort of uh, low teens to mid teens growth rate. You mentioned the share count; uh, it's it's come down pretty substantially. I mean, it's I think it's almost been cut in half over the last thirteen years or so. Um, there's about one point three billion shares outstanding right now. 2004 was the stat I saw this morning that it was up around 2.7. So they, it's it's really impressive that they are, uh, on the one hand, just methodically bringing down the share count, but they are also bringing that same day in and day out uh, operational excellence to their stores themselves. And there's not, and as you said, they're not growing their store count, which makes me think that this is an incredibly disciplined management team. Right. The capital allocation equation here is let's keep what we've got. I'm I'm sure they're closing down a store or two here or there, opening up one here or there. Uh, but they aren't in the let's build another hundred stores across the country this year uh, model that a, a lot of other places are, whether it's you know McDonald's or an AutoZone or um, plenty of other things. And they're really about the only game in retail right now that is working, Home Depot and Lowe's. So it, it is the housing market. They let's not give 
management uh, all the credit. We'll give them plenty of credit, but housing is a good place to be, and it is not getting disrupted on the retail side the way everything else is, uh, in, including automotive parts. Uh, automotive parts is a little bit better uh, than you know clothing and, and just, uh, I don't know, books, things that have really been disrupted and are never coming back. Um, but it, it, home, when you're going out Sunday, you're fixing up your home and you're going off to Home Depot, Lowe's, local place, whatever. Ace Hardware. You're you're not waiting for Amazon 48 hours to to get you the stuff because you're you're getting it right now. And and actually, a lot of 40 percent, I think, of Home Depot's sales are are to the professional uh, contractor. So uh, that's also not being disrupted. Yeah, and I I think there's also something to the the customer experience in the same way that online shopping, regardless of what the online shopping destination is, they're providing hopefully conven- greater convenience. I think that is part, for a lot of people that's part of the experience with Home Depot and Lowe's. They actually like it's an excuse to get out of the house. I actually want to go. And compare the paint samples, that, you know that sort of thing, and kill a little time doing things that way. Well, I think it is you're doing something. It feels like it when feels you, good. It feels like you're going. To, hey, I'm I'm on um, you know a, a mission. I'm going to make my house better. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm not just buying stuff. And and maybe this is. Uh, revealing something about me, you know, and and just general, you buy stuff and then it's sitting around the house. Whereas Home Depot, you're you're buying something and then you're putting implementing it, it, putting it to use, and then you're going to claim later in the day, hey, I did a lot of stuff today, so I I deserve some credit. I went to the store and not only did I buy something, but I I actually put those light bulbs in. Well, speaking of light bulbs, what percentage of trips to any sort of home improvement? Store 100%. Would you say, wait for it, would you say um, involve you bringing something to the store that you need to replace? So it's that you haven't written something down, you haven't memorized it, but you're actually bringing in the light bulb, you're bringing in the screw, and you walk in, you're basically looking for an employee saying, See this thing I'm holding in my hand? Where can I find another one just like this? What percentage? Of of me or everybody? No, 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 you. Uh, Close to zero. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I'm. For me, it's like at least somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty percent. No, I'm. I'm in the category of stereotyped, uh, stereotypical men who, who go in and like I am not asking for directions on anything. <laughs> it does not matter how long it takes me. It doesn't matter how many times I'm asked, "Can I help you?" I like, no, I'm just just looking. I'll I'll find the specific screw that I'm looking for. Wow. See, I'm not. I'm not saying that's a good thing. For you, I apparently, it's much higher than zero. It's much higher zero. than zero, but that's also part of the Home Depot store. That's part of the turnaround for them. Was you know after Nardelli left, part of what management decided to do was, hey, let's actually be helpful. Let's train staff. Let's over you know in, maybe not overstaff, but let's make sure our stores are properly staffed so that when people come in here. We've got people who can help them. They can find exactly what they're looking for, and then they're going to come back. And I think that's that's a big part of the turnaround for Home Depot. It is working for for them to be getting pretty consistent five percent uh, comp improvements year to year. And I think uh, the two year stack 
the uh, comp from a, a year ago plus the comp this year is more like 12, in between 12 and 13% for Home Depot. So that's really Im- impressive in a time of very little inflation to be getting 12% more uh, sales out of the same square footage over the last two years. Um, you know, adjusting for inflation, you're talking about 8%, something like that. So uh, they have got everything going very well right now. And, you know, the, the bear case is dependent on the housing market over being currently being overheated, which it does not yet appear to be. Let's move on to the automotive industry. There are multiple reports out this morning that Ford Motor is planning to cut around 10% of its jobs around the world. Ford Motor has about 200,000 employees. As of this taping, Ford has not confirmed this report, um, but for the sake of this conversation, let's just assume that these reports are accurate and they are, in fact, trying to looking to cut about 20,000 people from their workforce. And when you look at their profit margins, when you look at the stock hovering around a five-year low, it kind of makes sense that they would take this approach. It does. They've got to find savings somewhere, uh, and employees are more or less always the most expensive part of your business. And they, the stories that are coming out, which, as you pointed out, are not yet confirmed, point to Ford looking to buy out employees rather than uh, having layoffs um, and, and sort of reduce their, uh, you know, their costs over the long term that way by reducing the pension obligations in particular, which is always an issue. Uh, so I, I think it is not going to be good times uh, over the next decade or two for automotive workers as much as uh, this administration would like to claim that that is going to be different. Yeah, you had uh, forwarded me a report from, I think, your colleague Nate Weiser down at Full Funds um, about a recent conference having to do with, among other things, autonomous driving. And one of the takeaways in this report appears to be that the time frame uh, for autonomous driving, when when are self-driving cars coming? When is autonomous driving going to be much more mainstream? And the time frame uh, for the folks writing this report was, well, we went into this thing thinking 2025 to 2030. That's roughly when we're thinking autonomous driving is coming. And now that we've gone to this well-attended conference and listened to all of these presentations, our conclusion is it's going to be sooner than that. We think it's going to be 2020 to 2025. And I think to your point about tough times for automakers, I think that there are a bunch of factors that go into this. Certainly, pension obligations is one of them. But I think the the technology part of this is a big disruptor in the automotive industry. And I'm I have no idea where it's going, but it, it really does seem like I don't want to compare automotive uh, automotive companies to retailers. But I think in the same way that uh, I think it was Ron Gross had made the point last week on Motley Fool Money that when you look at the retail industry, the general retailers, the fact is some of them just aren't going to make it, and that is, you know, unfortunately for the people who work there, that is how capitalism works. And I think you could probably say the same thing about the automotive companies that 
not in the next couple of years, but certainly 10, 20 years down the line, some of them just aren't going to make it. So, uh, let's give uh, credit to the uh, authors of this report that we're going to riff off of. Uh, Rethink X uh, is, is the uh, entity that produced this, and the specific authors are James Arbib and, and Tony Seba. This was a very, very recent report. And the author's analysis is that this is going to be a, a much bigger disruption, that it, really, even than retail. I mean, you say you don't want to compare it to retail. If you read this report and buy into it, or just entertain what might be, it's bigger than the change that has occurred yet to retail. Amazon came around 20 years ago, right? Still, yeah, retail is suffering right now, but it still looks a lot like our retail experience 20 years ago. Maybe you're buying 5%, maybe 95% of your stuff from Amazon, but as as much as malls are in decline they're all pretty much all still there this is projecting that once automotive vehicles are approved um the adoption is going to autonomous be vehicles? autonomous uh, vehicles uh it's going to be rapid and it's going to be because you're going to be able to uh save somewhere you know up up to 90% of your your driving costs because Nobody's going to. So the report projects that 95% of miles by 2030, not that long from now, um, will be done by autonomous vehicles. Not necessarily 95% of the vehicles, but that the, the actual miles covered because the cars are these fleets of cars out there and you will no longer need to own a car and they'll be in use. You know, you're, you're not using your car. Uh, close to 100% of the day. But with fleets of autonomous vehicles, they will be, uh, once the electrical equation is improved, this is going to disrupt uh, the oil industry and everything that services the oil industry, and, and oil prices are going to plummet, uh, and and that the insurance rates are going to go down, and the the cost of, of cars is going to go down. Uh, it's pretty comprehensive what the changes could be, and this is two people's opinion uh, about how it's going to go. But we have seen some things disrupted uh, far more than we ever expected them to be. Well, and just to take the insurance piece of that, uh, at the recent Berkshire Hathaway meeting, Buffett talked about uh, self-driving cars, and the I mean, Buffett. There are plenty of things Buffett will tell you he doesn't really know a lot about. He knows the insurance business, and he's looking out at, at self-driving cars and seeing, oh, yeah, that is totally going to hammer Geico and any other business that looks like Geico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if nobody in the family needs to be insured and no cars need to be insured, uh, that is going to decimate Geico, uh, and uh, you know the, the just the number of accidents and repairs, if the technology is brought to where people hope it will be. Uh, it, it's going to change a lot of things, or potentially could. So, uh, Ford right now is facing you know declining auto sales. It's, I think the last four months have seen declining auto sales, not just at Ford but industry wide, and that is uh, the first time that has been the case since 2009. Now, invoking 2009, first time blah 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 since 2009 might. Make it seem like, ooh, 
that sounds like there's there's panic that we should consider, and I'm I'm not claiming that. Uh, there are actually the profitability is pretty good right now because people are again buying heavier and bigger cars and trucks, SUVs, given the price of oil and gas. So uh, it is not uh, not terrible times, but if you're looking out over the, the factors, and Ford is certainly concentrating on what the future will be for its industry, how it participates in whatever the future ends up being, uh, it, it looks like you don't need as many employees. For our next story, I want to say thanks to Slack for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a messaging app that brings together all your team's communications in one place, making your working lives simpler and more productive. Slack connects the tools and services you need in one place and allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. Major companies use Slack, like Capital One. Smaller companies, like The Motley Fool, we've been using Slack for a few years. It's fantastic. It's it's dramatically cut down on the internal email that we've used over the last few years. Slack saves you time. It makes you more productive. You don't have to search through emails for that one follow-up. There's no more switching across multiple tabs and platforms to keep you updated with work. And you can also tailor Slack to work with over 900 apps. And with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can always pick up where you left off, no matter where you are. So check it out. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. Trunk is back in the news. The online publishing company with one of the worst names in the public markets is the parent company of the Chicago Tribune. And Trunk has signed a non binding financial agreement to buy, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, Rapports Holdings, which is the parent company of the Chicago Sun Times. So the parent of the Chicago Tribune is looking to buy the parent of the Chicago Sun Times, which begs the question why in God's name would they do that? Because it's not like Trunk has big piles of money sitting around. Economies of scale. Is really? That's why? And they're so they're so sure of this move that they they took the bold step of signing a non-binding financial agreement. This just this just strikes me as, among other things, sad. It's just kind of like, look, you want to go out and buy this your rival newspaper? Go for it. I really feel like Trunk did something personally to you. <laughs> your your enmity toward them. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the name. That's most of it, almost all, almost all of it has to do with the ninety some percent has to do with the name because their crimes against you, other than adopting the name Trunk, are pretty limited, aren't they? Uh, they're basically non-existent. I mean, the Chicago Chicago Bulls have taken out your Celtics a couple times over the years. Not this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he, uh, honestly, here, here's what bothers me: as someone who has uh, spent his adult life in various realms of the media world. You're sort of an expert on the media. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Listeners but out there, by the way, this is the way to always put somebody <laughs> on the defensive. In in any it, When you're looking for advice or help, just go like, you're sort of an expert on, yes. and, and immediately people, people, non-Donald Trump people, disclaim their expertise on, on almost all topics that you would approach them about claiming they're an expert. Going back to Memorial Day weekend, which is coming up, I mean, this is absolutely a great move to pull at a barbecue or just a party at some point where you when you're standing with a group of people and it's just like, Jim, you're kind of an expert on uh, 
biochemistry. Now, let me ask you a question, and then just you know, watch Jim's face. Even if it's their job, <laughs> like all right. you're, but you are sort of an expert on the media. Uh, I would, see, uh, there you go. Uh, expert. I, I wouldn't it's go your with full time employment. Well, that, yeah. But as I think we both know, just because you're fully employed in one job doesn't make you an expert on that job. That's what I'm saying. Um, but in the case of Tron, it, it, I guess I'm just bothered, among other things, beyond the name. I'm bothered because I, I am generally a fan of media. I appreciate when media is well done and well executed and well managed. Um, that's why it's great to see um, entities like the New York Times and the Washington Post pull off, at least they appear to be in the process of successfully pulling off the transition from the printed newspaper business to the digital business. And the fact that that Tronk is just going about things in such a ham-handed way just, I think, offends my sensibilities. And again, have some guts. You want to buy your rival newspaper? Then do that. But don't don't come to me with this weak. Well, we're going to sign this piece of paper. It's we can get out of this, right? It's non-binding. Great, we'll do that. All right. I just I I only brought it up today because I knew you would like to vent. <laughs> I don't I don't have any real insights on what they're up to today. But I it's uh, yeah. so in Philadelphia we had the experience of the the two major uh, papers or being you know all under one roof, and and so it's not that unusual uh, to me. So, we'll see whether it, whether it works. It may be the case that there just isn't room for two local papers in even the market as big as Chicago. Uh, New York still does it. We'll see for how long, but uh, New York is sort of an entity unto itself. Uh, the normal rules of economics don't always apply there. Uh, what, what's the number two paper in LA? I'm afraid I. I, um, I believe know. it's the LA Daily News, but I was about I was about to mention LA because in New York City, you've got the New York Times, the New York Post, and Newsday, and the LA Times is so much bigger and more relevant than the Daily News. Sorry for anyone listening who may have some connection to the LA Daily News, but I mean, you can live in New York City and. Um, there are legitimate reasons to subscribe to all three of those newspapers, um, and I think just just from a a smile standpoint, it's going to be a sad day if the New York Post ever goes under. Oh yeah, because that's just I mean, what's on the cover and the back cover of the New York Post? I mean, that's I always want to know that. That's there's a lot of gold in there's, those covers. There's always gold. There was a good one today. Was there? Yeah. Uh, it's a leaker in chief, isn't it? Yes, I think it was, that, or maybe that was yesterday. Also, the the back page uh, at the post for anyone who's a sports fan. I mean, that's always that's always a good a good one to check out. Uh, before we wrap up, um, we were talking on yesterday's show about uh, the Oreos contest that's being run by Mondelez. And uh, sneak preview of coming attractions for anyone who listens to Motley Fool Answers, which is uh, one of our weekly podcasts here at The Fool, uh, hosted by Allison Southwick and Robert Brokamp. Uh, next week's episode, I may be making a cameo uh, because Allison Southwick asked me about possibly doing some sort of a, a blind taste test around Oreos. We'll see. I make no promises, but right now that's a potential sneak preview of coming attractions. And, and speaking of Fool podcasts, Today is David Gardner's birthday. 
co-founder here at The Motley Fool with his brother Tom, and uh, host of Rule Breaker Investing. And um, I would just say for David's birthday, you, you should be subscribing to Rule Breaker Investing. Just one click of the button uh, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or where, wherever you listen to podcasts, one touch of, of a button, you can subscribe and get insights and observations on investing every week from David Gardner. So, check that out. Are you going to enter the Oreos contest? Are you going to come up or maybe consult with your children and, and submit something on behalf of the Barker family? Um, anyone can do it on Instagram or Twitter, just using the hashtag MyOreoCreation. The, the winner is whoever comes up with the most absurd idea? Is that I don't know how they're, correct? I don't know how they're picking the winner. If they follow the playbook that uh, Frito-Lay did with the potato chips, they will come up with a few finalists, produce those flavors, and then let people vote. And I don't know that they're going to do that, but that seemed to work out pretty well for Pepsi Frito Lay. So um, maybe they're just going to, on their own, decide, yeah, we want to try that flavor. But what, are, what are you promoting? Ham and potatoes. Ham and potatoes. Yep. Savory. I'm going all full blown savory. I'm going with Thanksgiving dinner. Nice. Oreos. <laughs> is it going to be like in Willy Wonka? Is it going to change flavor? Or is it like well, this little bite over here is turkey? This little bite over there is stuffing and a little cranberry on I'm the just side. an idea guy. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> want to have to implement it. Do you think the that, idea speaks for itself? There you go. Um, number one best selling cookie in America is Oreos. Number two, also produced by Nabisco, part of the Mondelez family, is Chips Ahoy. And yet, it seems like the Chips Ahoy people are pretty restrained. They just go about their business. They're not going hog wild, throwing out flavors willy nilly. It seems like the Oreos people are drunk with power, which leads to this question. Do you think the Chips Ahoy division resents the Oreo division? Uh, Is there there internal strife at Mondelez? I don't know, but maybe we could uh, agitate here. (laughs) Maybe we could instigate some fight between them. I think I mean the the story out there is that the Oreos guys look down on the um, Chips Ahoy guys and consider them sort of you know the B team. Some people are saying that's that. what that's what you hear. Look, if you had a winning streak the way Oreos has had for God knows how many years, of course, at some point you're just going to say, "Oh, Chips Ahoy, that's adorable that you're the the second best selling cookie yeah. in America." Yeah, Chips Ahoy has just been sort of um, playing uh, playing defense for a long time now. According to the Oreos guys, yeah, yeah, you talk to the Oreos people. That's what they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You can go to FoolFunds.com and subscribe to Declarations. It's the free monthly newsletter from Bill Barker and his colleagues at Motley Fool Funds. Uh, any chance that Oreos contest is going to make its way into the next issue of Declarations? Can you work on that? Can you say, by the way, on, here's here's the Fool Fund submission. You can obviously have your own submission. Uh, we could do, yeah, we can do whatever we like down there. I mean, we, could, <laughs> we, could, we could, we could try, I guess. Brian Hinman is just, you know, he's like Captain Jack Sparrow. He's running his own empire. Sometimes, like the Oreos guys come up to the chips. Away. You're kind of an expert on boring cookies. <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> and they're like the chips away guys. And what can they do? Start cursing and just sort Fist of like fights break out a lot of the time. From what you hear. 
I mean, some people are saying that. That's right. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.